<laughs> Mission accomplished. Yeah, I I turned you up in, on the Zoom this week because you've been quiet lately. Oh, uh, how weird for well, me. Well, you do the thing you always do, which is you're quiet 90% of the time. And, and then, then I get you drunk. cackle or laugh. And, oh, I love cackling, yes. And it really I peaks. Peak. Yeah, I peak. But I figured I'd make it easier on myself to make you audible. So when you did your little impression there that the <laughs> listener can't hear, it was extra loud in the headphones and extra bassy. Oh, Which, yeah. I'm feeling real real butch today. Oh, geez. Why? Is it because of the hat? The Nike hat that I'm wearing? No, the hat that you got in the mail today. Oh, that says faggy bald fuck on it? Yes. I mean... That's drag queen merchandise, so I don't know how uh, butch that is. Oh, okay. You know, it's aggressive faggotry, but <laughs> yeah, it's it, not, you know. I would say it's pretty aggressive. Yeah. I, I'm really surprised that you bought it. I mean, I get wanting to support like a favorite podcaster of yours or something, but to actually wear it, I think is really off off brand for you. I think as an object, I'm just fat. I just think it's like absurd because it's a dad hat. And to say what it says, I'm like, well, that's culture jamming that I appreciate. So one must own, mu- one must pay the $32 with shipping for a hat, which violates all the rules of hat buying for me. Why? Because A, it's too expensive. It's not $5 from a bodega. Yeah. What else? It has a, it has a graphic or lettering of any kind. That's true. Yeah. We don't yeah. do lettering in this house. Right. And it's black and white, which I also, mm, mm-mm. Well, it goes with everything. So, but I don't wear black. You don't need to wear black to wear a black hat. I think I that suppose. I think that hats, uh, neutral hats, can go with any outfit. Really, I think it would be better if it was navy with the white embroidery mm, on it. No, eh, it would wrong. fit better in my lifestyle. Okay, fair enough. But you know, it's got to be as aggressive as possible, given what's written on it. I guess you know, it has to be severe. Well, there's the other side of that. Of, of that kind of dressing where it's like, it's pink or acid yellow and like, Ugh. and you're like, oh, can you calm down with the ugly? Jesus. Do they offer that as a varietal? No. Like, can you get a pink one? It's only in black and white. Yeah. Oh, good choice. Good choice on the drag queen's part. Because you would expect it to be like um, loud. Yeah. So there's, uh, there's a brand in LA called Lockwood 51 and they, you know, the Asics logo? Yeah. Um, they have a fanny pack that just says fag. But like in that A6 lumpy bubble style. Are you thinking about getting that too? Absolutely not. And wearing them both at the same time? No. Happy Pride in, Ju- <laughs> Pride in July? No, absolutely not. I would never. But you are going to wear the, the faggy bald... What does it say? Faggy bald fuck? Yeah. Maybe. Uh, you are going to wear that in public though. Maybe to the beach. I feel like that's a good beach hat. That is a good beach hat. I would agree. I think that's maybe the only appropriate time for it. Like, Just walking around in that hat like while you're getting groceries... No, is. absolutely not. No, <laughs> it's a very funny image for you in particular. I, I feel would like not. Yeah, no. You're so self-conscious about like attracting looks from people and stuff. Yeah, I I try to be as incognito as yeah. possible in general in life. Yeah, you know, like I, this is why I'm like, why do I have to stop wearing a mask? I get to wear a hat, sunglasses, and something that covers half of my face. This is heaven. I can do whatever I want. Mm-hmm. Um, but like at the beach, it just like sends the signal to the like. You know, the topless ladies, please don't talk to me, especially. I think you're sending those signals already with okay. your Speedos and just general, this. Well, you know, <laughs> demeanor. This, the, I'm not talking or looking at anyone. I'm just trying to read and be wavy. We talked about this. People watch you while you're swimming. And I want them to not. You're non-threatening. 
Oh, <laughs> I hate it. Because I am. I think I am going to go tomorrow. Apparently, it's going to be like 85. So I'm like, well, one could go to the beach tomorrow. Oh, and that'll be nice on a weekday with your faggy bald fuck. Oh, no one's looking. No one's watching. I can mm-hmm. live my best life. It's like, you know, those weekday beach days are the most unselfconscious. You sure. Know? And, you, and you get to test the waters of the hat without too much of a crowd around. And there's no children on the Oh, there might be children on the weekday. It's the summertime, so there's probably going to be probably children. children. But don't worry about the children. They've seen worse. What if I wear it backwards just to really confuse people? Why would that be confusing? Because that's very bro. That's true. Yeah. I mean, you do kind of dress like a like a dude bro sometimes, like right now. I mean, you have a polo shirt on. I have a polo shirt on and pull-on drawstring shorts. Oh, boy. <laughs> I can't see below the table line. They're, so. the, sh- they're the shorts I always wear that are... Uh-huh. They're the only ones that fit. Cause All you need, yeah. yeah, I guess at the beach you would, you know, you should wear it backwards and you'll have some flip-flops on, I'm sure. And uh, some no. sunglasses. Black Berkies. Oh, jeez, okay. Well, you're blowing it right there. I don't think any dude bro would be caught dead in Birkenstocks at the beach. That is, no, that's very bro behavior. Is it really? Yeah. I don't know, man. I like the Boston clog is a quintessential bro thing with your bootcut jeans and your flannel shirt and your clogs i think you have an idea of a bro from 20 years ago yeah about 2004 (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah that's pretty much yeah i don't know like everything that i watch they've changed that much you know it's not no now they now they look like euro trash with the two tight pants and the two tight shirt and you're like whoa whoa, 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 are you gay oh no no you're just Okay. Yeah, I'm sure you you're s- doing fireball. Never mind. Right. I'm sure you saw the meme of the Jersey Shore guys walking and it's like um, Italian athlete athletes entering the Olympic Stadium. Yes, I did. Yes, yeah. of course. So that, but even that's an antique at this point. That is true. That, that's antiquated. That's not fresh. No. Oh, yeah. I don't know. Lots of. Yeah. All of the like. Uh, what's that guy with the symbols? Uh, the semiotic the classic <laughs> will of what's that guy with the thing with no specificity like barthian uh not symbiosis uh i just said it semiotics just, yeah the semiotics of like you know heteronormative dressing are now just like so all over the place that i'm like i, I couldn't tell you i really couldn't tell you oh i don't know i'm i've been so out of touch with fashion for any you have persuasion. eyes in the world I know, but I don't pay attention to it. I just, it doesn't, okay. I don't note it. When I'm walking down the street and I'm like seeing people, their outfits don't register with me. Huh. It just doesn't click. I don't remember them. I don't care. You don't go, what the fuck is that? No, it's just, I feel like fashion is one of those things that I know so little about and never bothered to look into that I'm too far behind to to get into it at this point. Yeah, there was, I mean, there's nothing better than walking up Madison Avenue and going, I've never heard of any of these places while we're walking by Fendi. And I'm like, it's Fendi. What are you talking about? Well, there you go. What do you, what do you, what do you mean? We're outside of Hermes. You, you, don't, you don't know about the scarves and the bag and the thing? Napoleon's on the roof. No. I know like Chanel, uh, Louis Vuitton. Okay. Um, Ferragamo. That's a That's shoe a weird company? Fine leather goods. Oh, okay. Oh, what's the other leather goods? Mont Blanc? That's down market. Oh, okay. My Italian relatives, my Italian from Italy, distant relatives, they used to send me Mont Blanc stuff, and I thought it was fancy. It's fine. Because the it's, Euros liked it. I mean, it is, it is, you know, it's not cheap. Right. But it's not, you know. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm about out of brands. I mean, the only thing, other thing that comes to mind is, should I buy glow-in-the-dark Yeezys? 
No. Why not? Atrocious. Also, like, I, I was... Okay, so Yeezys are for... And this I just saw the other day. Yeezys are for um, all coupled up people who buy matching things. Is there women's Yeezys? Yes. I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah. So I was behind on the escalator behind a guy and a gal wearing matching Yeezys. And I was like, hey, they just looked like, because, you know, at the height you're at, you're staring right at it. And you're like, that was an ugly, lumpy ass motherfucking shoe right there. And then you're like, why are there four of them? in front of my face and then you look up and you're like oh oh they're doing that oh (laughs) choices um well you do know too that that is a hundred percent her decision yes couples matching things are never a collaborative endeavor and they are never the uh motivation of the man ever or it was like babe what do you want for christmas Oh, I don't know. Just maybe just a little something. Like, I'll get her matching Yeezys. That'll be so sick. No, that's definitely didn't happen. Or she did it in the reverse and was like, I'll get him matching Yeezys because I'm getting it. So throw another 200 on the card. She got him a gift that she wanted. Yes, she wanted to see him in the Yeezys. Yes. Yes. I mean, that's the classic uh, heterosexual trope of, well, I had to do it. Yeah, and I mean, there's there's no way to decline it. You could. You could try, but that's going to spell bad news for your relationship, even if it's only short term. It's going to cause a little tiff. Yes, absolutely. You have to accept the sweet gesture, in quotes. No, and then you can return it. How are you going to return it without her realizing it? You go through her bag, you take the receipt, and you go, can I get something else? They didn't, f- they didn't fit. Hun, can I have the receipt? Let's set aside for a second going through her purse, which you do not want to do. Advice for the listeners out there. Don't do that. (laughs) Will doesn't know what he's talking about. Second of all, even if you got the receipt and you did manage to return the shoes and get something else, she's going to realize you don't have the shoes anymore. That was my point originally. But you can be like they didn't fit. Just say they didn't fit. She knows your shoe size, dude. No, she doesn't. Yes, she does. The woman knows the man's shoe size. But not in sneakers. Absolutely, she does. No, 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 no. A hundred percent. Untrue. Well, no. What are you talking about? Let's just say I have some experience of going, I don't know what size he is. All right. Is it close enough? Uh, You maybe shouldn't do that. And they're like, I don't know. It's something for him to unwrap. Yeah, give me. I'm like, okay, I'll take your money. Thank you so much. Okay. I mean, I guess I'm just assuming that any couple that's been together long enough that they're in the matching attire zone would know these things. I mean, it's not like a three-month relationship you're talking about here. If she buys you matching like a Yeezys year. at three months, you just break up with her and keep the Yeezys. <laughs> wow, that's rude. <laughs> the ruthlessness in on this podcast today. Um, no, I mean, like, yeah, even like you know, in soft apparel land, and be like, well, what size is he? Uh, medium. He's never a medium, ladies. Like, it just. I I always loved like medium. I'm like. It's not like a steak, ma'am. Like, it's not like... <laughs> you don't just guess and hope it comes out. I'm like, does he have shoulders? I'm like, yeah. I'm like, but like, everyone has shoulders. Okay, you didn't really... Broad shoulders? I mean, I guess. Because it's like, you know, you're 5'4", fi- standing on tippy toes and like, compact. You're like, I guess everyone's broader than me. And it's like, okay, you're not helping me. Yeah, yeah. And then you're like, what's the jacket size? She's like, blah. And you're like, fuck me. Okay, never mind. Take the medium. Get a gift receipt. Oh, man. I don't know. I guess I've been with some considerate women then. I always feel like I've had good luck in, you know, ladies figuring this stuff out on their own. 
I also better than I ever would. I don't know my well, own jacket a... size off the top of my head. I'd have to go look. Mm, Forty regular. That sounds right, but I can't remember. You're not a thirty-eight. Is, is that good or bad? No, I'm just doing eye math right now. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it's measurement is not about judgment. It's just about how you feel. Just whatever feels the most comfortable. I do agree, though, that uh, you know, it's just it's just wish casting on the part of the girlfriends when you're describing them wanting mediums. Yeah. Much like how the men themselves probably wish they were a medium and sometimes buy the wrong size yeah. to trick them and give themselves some self-esteem. We call those, when when, when that happens, the schmediums. Because yes. they're larges getting into mediums and you're like, huh, that's a small medium there, bro. I do wish that there was more variety in men's sizes, though. I feel like there should be five standard sizes. S- small, schmedium, medium. What, whatever you'd call between medium and large and then large you can't give men options that's too many options for men yeah but it would help you know because it would but you can't give them those options even waist sizes when you go by inches too hard well isn't that what waist sizes are in yeah like that's what 32 means yeah 30 so why is that too hard i you get got it. 33 wasted dudes trying to squeeze into a 32 and you're like my friend yeah i can see all your balls mm-hmm. or converse you like my dude you're like a twig. Why are you throwing on these 32s? Like, what? what you, you trying to sag? Like, what are we doing? <laughs> That's wish casting in a different direction. Like the the scrawny men wish they were bigger. They always go. Oh, so they I'm go, a medium. I'm like, no, you're never. They a go medium. over large. Yeah. And then the chubby men go too small. The big men go too small. Yeah. And then there are people like me going, "What are you doing? Get back in there! No, 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 no take those off. You don't get to leave here like that." My name will not be associated with what you just did. Mm-hmm. I've yelled at many a strange. I've yelled at many a strange man to get back in his in the closet to change his pants. You've yelled at many a strange men to get back in the closet to change their <laughs> pants. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. I'm like, sir, no. What are you doing? I was gonna pay for them. No, you won't. That button was gonna pop off and put out an eye. Get back in there. So that's, so that's that's uh, you know what's going on in the world from my view of watching people you know, whew, make choices. So yeah, I, you should not buy Yeezys to circle back. Oh, okay. especially if they glow in the dark. I don't know. I thought they looked pretty cool. They weren't the crazy Yeezys that look like sandals with toe caps. You know what I'm talking about? No, and I hope to never. Uh, the really wild ones with lots of holes in them. They weren't those. They were they were straightforward tennis shoes. Like the I boosts. Mean, Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But they had glow-in-the-dark soles. Oh, but that looks like shit in the daytime. It looks like someone pissed on them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it does. It looks like old medical plastic. It's so gross. You know? And it, it degrades faster than regular Oh, a hundred percent. Because yeah. it, that is so unstable to treat it with that, that phosphorescent pigment. Like, no. Well, even if it didn't decay uh, physically, like if chunks of it weren't falling off, which I'm sure it would. Oh, yeah. Um. You're going to get diminishing returns. The on color glow. itself yeah. is going to disappear in two days. Three and days. it'll start to just, and it doesn't do anything but yellow. Yeah. It's gross. Yeah, yeah. D- just to be clear, I was never really going to buy them. I, I mean, mean I I've know. never paid $250 for a pair of shoes. And for Yeezys, that's not even that expensive, I don't think. That's about right. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, you're, you know, you make choices that sometimes are like, really? Pink shoes, huh? All right. Live your life. Well, yeah, the ostentatious element of it is 
what I felt like was on brand for me footwear wise. Yeah. But uh the price point is what is off. I will buy okay. pink shoes if they cost sixty dollars on Amazon. Okay. But I'm not, I'm not gonna <laughs> We're not gonna drop some coinage no, on the uh... absolutely not. Especially because as we've discussed many times, all items of clothing now are garbage and bullshit. I don't understand why anybody would pay more than I don't know. Seventy, eighty dollars for shoes. That's stretching it in my book too. They're gonna fall apart in the same amount of time as ones that cost forty dollars. I like a good ninety dollar shoe. That seems right. That's so expensive in my mind. But you're not gonna replace it for a long time then. Hopefully, but I mean New York beats the fuck up out of shoes, you know? I used to pay like seventy dollars for penny loafers and wear them almost every good goddamn day. And they would last me a very long time. Like, everyday wear, mm, 12,000 steps in a workday and the tr- and the commute. Yeah. Months, six months of heavy everyday use. I guess that's a pretty good value. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I suppose. I have less pairs of shoes than you do, though. I mean, I guess you're saying you wore the penny loafers every day, so it puts the lie to what I'm about to say. But I think you switch around shoes a little more. So they last longer. Now I do. Yeah. I wear one or two pairs until they're six months until completely they're completely yeah. destroyed and then I buy them. Most people do. Yeah. I I you know, I like to hoard things that I know I like. So I have a black pair of beautiful penny loafers just waiting for me to put my toesies in them. Oh, you're like a grandpa. My grandpa does this. Yeah, cuz I'm like He buys shoes that he likes and he buys like multiple pairs of them. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. And then he leaves them in the closet and lets them age like a fine wine until one day he's ready to put his yeah, toes I'm gonna, in. Yeah, I'm going to break them in, yeah. Yeah. But I can't imagine having the patience. You, you're all excited. You have this new item and you just let it sit? Yeah. I'd want to wear them immediately. Uh, you'd need the right occasion. Really? What's the right occasion for a black penny loafer? Um, a, Like a slightly classier evening out where you're wearing jeans and like a nicer button-down moment or like a sweater, t-shirt sweater. Oh, okay. So you're going to have to wait till at least the autumn for Mm -hmm. this to kick in. Black cashmere, which I already have that I haven't worn yet. Some denim. Maybe a white denim. September. Black penny loafers. Oh, and you can wear your black and white hat and it'll go right with it. Yeah, it'll be like, this doesn't scream gay, but then let's add the gay hat. Mm -hmm. Shall we? (laughs) How fun. Like real safe from neck down and then real aggressive from neck up. Yes. I think that works. Okay. All right. Well, I look forward to it. Ugh. If I can... When is Fashion Week? September. Yeah, there you go. Right around that time, you'll be doing your own little private Fashion Week. Stomping down nowhere? Well, to a a somewhat classy night out. Yeah, those are... Those are rare. Well, no, maybe a gallery day would be good for that. Hmm. Where Hmm. you want to be seen a little bit. Sure. You want to go to Dr. Clark's afterwards. (laughs) (laughs) You still want to go there? I do still want to go there, yeah. Ugh. Oh, boy. Will informed me that Dr. Clark's is a scene-stir restaurant where you go to be seen. You don't go there to eat the food. I didn't know this. It's kind of like a place where, you know, like like back in the day, you would go and do poppers while the appetizers arrive. Like that kind of like... I didn't realize that restaurants like this still existed. This is just a thing I read about in like artist biographies in the 80s. Oh, yeah. You know? Like Mr. Chow's. Well... I feel like people got too afraid of doing cocaine during COVID times. Oh, maybe. I don't think people were afraid of doing cocaine. I just think people have, 
you don't get to do that uh, so socially anymore, you know? It's a more clandestine activity than it was in the 80s. I feel like people mm. were doing it during the day, at a restaurant, oh, yeah. like whatever you wanted. It was a little more socially acceptable in an urban environment especially. Should it have been? Well, you know, no. I'm, I, it's not up to me to say. Maybe the kids are doing K now. I guess the kids are doing K now. I don't think you can do ketamine and like be at a restaurant though. I don't know. I think when you do ketamine, you start to dissociate. Like you wouldn't. Just a little. Maybe little, if you just did a, maybe if you just did a little. I don't know. I've never done ketamine. I've never microdosed ketamine. I, I have no idea. What it's is more possible. so for like umta umta time. I don't know what it's for. On it's a tranquilizer. It's an animal tranquilizer. No, that's GHB. No, ketamine is a horse tranquilizer originally. Are we sure? About Pretty that? sure. Mm. GHB is the date rape drug that gay men do for fun. For drops at a time every 20 minutes. It's yeah. insane to me. What is the purpose of that? No fucking clue. Is it just so you can get like really drunk really fast? Because that seems like what it would essentially do. Is you just take like a couple of drops or a small sip of GHB and now you're blackout rather than having... This is actually... I, I should back up for a second. I've read this on the internet that that is the purpose. Mm, fucking no. You save on the calories by getting blackout uh, on a tiny bit of GHB instead of having to have all the carbs of actually drinking for a night. That is the gay so shit I've ever heard. So it is very popular for girls and gays. Probably <sighs> mostly gays. I think for girls it has a negative connotation. Not a great thing yeah. to be like, yeah, I want some date right job. <laughs> Let me party. And you're like, ma'am. Um, no, I, uh, I don't know. This is why I don't like the drugs. But anyway, yeah, I don't want to go to a downtown restaurant and do drugs. That wasn't my intention. I got an earnest mm. recommendation that the food was good, but I didn't realize it, comes it came with, with a... There's a, yes, be, being seen clause. Mm -hmm. Well, and yeah. I wanted to go there dressed like I always dress, which is like Louis C.K. Nope. And you didn't want to be seen there with me, I think was more of the thing. No, I wouldn't want to be seen there. Oh, at all. Period. How would it affect your clout score to be seen there? I don't want to have clout. <laughs> because I'm aware that other people are aware of their clout score, so it's odious to me. Like, this is why I don't like hot shit places. Mm -hmm. I'm just like, no. Like, it's like, why are we all very self-aware? I'm trying to eat. Yeah, I get what you're saying. I'm not, and you know, like, I can be a really delicate eater, but most of the time, if I'm hungry, I'm not gonna be. We're gonna be slurping, slurping, using fingies, like, chowing down here on this day. <laughs> like, especially if it, what what is it? It is like uh, Japanese food. Yeah, I'm gonna take that it you is know yakitori and stick half of it in my mouth and slide them off like <laughs> you know. What do you do? What do you bite like off of a stick? But yakitori is usually on a on a stick. It's pretty simple, like barbecue. But I feel like that's so uncouth to just go and then just pull it off with your teeth. Yeah, I don't know. Piling I mean, up in your cheeks, just like a cartoon. Dr. Clark's is northern Japanese food. It's Hokkaido style. I don't know exactly what that means, but when I read their menu, I mean, it did sound kind of sloppy, and it's all small plates that you're supposed to, like, share. So I think there's a lot of fingies expected. <sighs> I think know? small plates need to go away. I need big plates. I want family style back. Oh, do I want Buca de Peppo up in this bitch. Wow, okay. I mean, I don't think you're going to get your wish, though, because that's sort of... I know that's anti-COVID. <laughs> yeah, it's it's anti-COVID and also like, eh, in big cities, it's, it's anti-metropolitan. It's not. Too. Yeah, yeah, that's not exactly the the spirit of things. But now you do that at dim sum. 
it's small-ish, yeah. but like when you get the pile of greens, you're like, this could feed seven, and we got it for two people. I guess so. I guess so. Certain things. It depends. Yeah. You know, yeah. Like, I'm always like, Ooh, fries for the table? Yes, of course. You get two baskets. Yes, 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 yes. Like, that's always a good idea. Like, and I like the idea of like, oh, what are we going to do? What are we going to start with? And everyone's just like, eh, not, a little gluttony, but not too much. Okay, great. Can you do that? Serve a person? They're like, yes, we have, we will bring you some, some things. Yeah. I mean, I'm a big fan of this idea too. I have nothing against it. I don't know. I'm waiting for that. I'm waiting for that resurgence. I mean, I don't want the sheer caloric gluttony of a buco de pepo. Like that's legitimately gross. Like, I don't love that. You're getting ends of a sad chicken parm that was cooked three days ago. Like, I don't love that. But I love the idea of like, oh, can you pass me that? I want a little bit of that. Yeah, sure. You know. I mean, who knows these days what goes on, but I feel like there's always a little bit of that spirit when you're out to dinner with friends. Like, if you want to try somebody's dish, you can. It's not designed for that to happen. Yeah. Which is, I guess, what you mean. Well, like, even going to, like, you know, a Santa Panza moment, it's like, two pies, get a nap, and we're good. Like, you want to try this or this? Uh, Get both. Like, and then you're just, like, everybody's, like grab bagging it yeah, yeah you know i wish more restaurants just did platters as an option like oh like a poo-poo platter where you can basically just sample the menu oh yeah like we were at a seafood restaurant i guess it's not it's a french restaurant Chez oscar yeah it's just french yeah and they had a seafood platter that it was designed to be shared at a table and i was like this is a great idea mm-hmm. you know every restaurant should just have that as an option you get a oh, little yeah. bit of stuff from all across the menu. You get a little tasty taste. Yeah. And I mean, sushi restaurants kind of do this. You yeah. can get the sushi platter for two or whatever, and it's $70, and that's what you're eating, you know? Yeah. That's what everybody's eating. More places should do that, regardless of their variety. So what you're saying is you really want the, like, TGI Friday's, like, appetizer sampler. Yes, I do. I want that all the time, everywhere. <laughs> I'm fully not opposed to that. That's always my favorite thing. Like I would just do that like in in my youth, like after like a either like a doctor's appointment or like a some kind of thing where I would have to get out of school for something. Yeah. Me and my mom would like sneak away to like a like one of those kind of restaurants and be like appetizer platter. <laughs> She's like, yeah duh. I'm like, you okay, would go, great. You would go check up on your health and then eat and then go 13, fuck off with it. Yeah. calories. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Of microwaved fried yeah. mozzarella. I mean, that was maybe back in the day when it was a little more fresh. It never was fresh. I don't think it ever was. Um, My sister worked at a TGI Fridays for like one week and she said everything was microwaved. Everything. Uh, all of it. That is just how it is done. Oh, boy. Yeah. You'd go like sneak out and go to a Ruby Tuesday and be like, are we being bad? Let's be bad. Like, that is ideal. That is ideal. Sh- I, I don't know. Sharing food is very strange. Because I do like the idea of like even like um. Fuck, what's it called? There's a place on West Broadway that does like a you know. It's like bougie delicatessen, so you can have the like bagel spread where they just bring you a bunch of locks and a bunch of capers and a couple different schmears and then a, a tower on a dowel of different bagels and like everyone's just can just make your own little moment make your own little flavor bagel situation yeah that's great that's great more things should be it's it's kind of like a lot of work for this 
service staff to be like, okay, put the bagels on the fucking stick. Let's go. Uh, yeah, I'm sure it's a little bit of work. It's also like you're kind of just talking about what catering is. Yeah, I kind of want catering. <laughs> you know? Like a private catered event is basically this. So why do that in miniature? Like it seems like a restaurant experience should be distinct in that you should like get courses and an entree, you know. I think have these little packages, these little jewels of an experience rather than I get it, but I'm not talking about fine dining, you know. Yeah, but like that's that is a fine dining experience. When you're just going to sub hundred dollar plate, it's not gonna be that. Right. And like you kind of just want to be like, I want to hang out and ha- like, you know, it's the idea of like, oh, we can share a table, but no one has to host. And that's what you're paying for. You're just like, this, this is my idea of like, oh, the share plates. Like, it's like someone cooked, but no one cooked. Or we're paying the people to do the cooking. Thank you so much. Right, right, right. Um, but I don't want to clean up after this. So I'm going to peel off some 20s for you all. I, yeah, I guess that's why the restaurateurs, if they're taking themselves seriously, even at a lower level, don't want that. That's not how they view themselves. They're not there to clean up after customers. They're there to provide you with something they've artistically crafted. But let's not get full of let's, ourselves here. Let's be real. You know, most of you guys are just line cooks. Sorry. Okay. It's not an art. It's not like, again, it's not per se or something like no. that. It's not like, you know... And if it is, like, coursed, if I have to choose, that's too much work. You've made me do work already. Well, right. You're right. Because at a fine dining establishment, you just get what you get and you don't complain. The coursed meal is selected for you. The only decision you're making is, do you want the wine pairing? And you're like, duh. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You're like, yeah, tech on. We're already, sunk cost is already going to be several hundred. Throw another one. At this point, we're pissing it. Like, come on. (laughs) Like, what are you going to do? Like, choose a bottle acting like you know? No. They're going to bring you things in time that make sense. Great. Less decisions. Yes. Yes. I love less decisions. Well, what else should we talk I'm staring about? Longingly, <laughs> I'm staring longingly at the idea of making less decisions in my life. And I'm like, oh, God, it'd be so nice. Um, you, you don't ever get tired making decisions all Oh, day. no. I get really tired making decisions. It's one of the reasons I'm tired right now. I don't, I don't you know, feel like doing this. Is This feels like one long two-hour extravaganza of making a lot of decisions about what to say well yeah this and it's, is <laughs> it's really difficult sometimes and sometimes you don't feel like doing it and right now is one of those moments i'll tell you what i was feeling the same way but i got some sustenance yeah i uh had a little i had my five outside yeah i was like okay i think i can do this you know i, I can rally I think what's going on with me, this has probably been true of our last couple of podcasts too, is I have become a one coffee a day person. I have really deliberately cut back from someone that drinks almost an entire pot of coffee over the course of the day to I have one cup in the morning and I don't have any more for the rest of the day and I especially don't have any more after like 11. I've cheated a couple of times and had one small cup uh, between like 10 and 11 when I'm really dragging at work, mm-hmm. but it's doing its job in that I get great sleep now mm-hmm. and it's easy to fall asleep Yeah, and I am way better rested, mm-hmm. but I start winding down way a earlier, earlier yeah. in the night, way earlier. I usually have a head of steam on until like 10 p.m., oh. but lately I'm feeling like... 
8 to 10 p.m. is my wind down phase. And then we're off to bed, you know, at some point between 10 and 11. So we're recording during the wind down, which we've had to do for a few times now. Yeah. I mean, I also tough, you know, I mean, if I have to miss nap time, then I just have to force myself to gain the third wind of the day. And then I'm like, okay, we're committing to the third wind. It's going to just it's going to have to happen. Yeah, yeah. Because otherwise, I will fall asleep right now, and then I'll be up till four in the fucking morning. Right, right, right. You know what I don't want to do? That. No, no, no. I know. Well, that's why that's why I don't nap. But my problem is, I don't think I'm a second or third wind type of person. Really? You're you're saying you can just elect to sort of rally into it? Yep. I don't think I get winds. I have one long wind, and the coffee was making my wind very long. Most okay. of my life. So it made you gassy. All right. Great. And <laughs> and now I am off of it, and I only have a 12-hour window, you huh. know, and that's it. And then there's the wind up in the morning and the wind down at night. I mean, I've also been awake longer than you, so I go through, I go through the cycles a little earlier. That's maybe true, too, yeah. You know, my, <clears throat> you know I hit my second wind, mm, let's say 4 o'clock. But I was feeling real draggy around three. So I was like, I need to do other stuff. I was like, I, I need to do computer work. But I'm going to stand up and do physical labor in order to, like, get the blood pumping again. Yeah. And then I was like, ooh, I forgot to <laughs> forgot this person was coming in. Hi. Oh, hi. Come here. Like, I was like, ooh, got to turn on. So I got my second win. Eight and was like, ooh, we're going to fade. And then we lifted the sails again. Uh, after just a little quick jaunt outside to see the Bodega Man. And then I did my stunning rendition of uh, the Beetlejuice song. So <laughs> yeah. that really gave me a little bit of energy to be like, can I, can can you put it on? Right. And that was your rehearsal. Uh, it's rehearsal, but it is also just like, are we changing the headspace? Like, you know, you kind of have to like, is this going to be another episode of me telling telling you how to handle the world? Yeah, I think so. Koan, koans of the world. Um, no, like you can either like choose to let your energy control you or you can be like, okay, I feel it, but we're, we still got to keep, we got to keep rolling. Yeah. And sometimes I'm not good at it. Sometimes I'm just like, I am so tired. I do not give a fuck anymore. Like, and like, I've, I had that experience like two days ago. I was like, guys, guys, you take that door three minutes. You're going to close one of them. Okay. That's 15 minutes early. I'm like, I know we're sending a message because I want to leave. I don't want to do this anymore. And they were like, oh, you got broke down. I'm like, yes, I want to go home. Um, so like there are days when you give in, but like, that's not great. Like I don't, f- I don't feel like relinquishing control again to my corporeal self. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't know how to accomplish that energy reframe. That's hard. That feels not voluntary, you know. Because energy, energy is where your mindset flows from. Mm-hmm. So it's hard to, uh, it's hard to choose to have more energy than you have. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah, and I was also out of out of the decision making energies i was like nope yeah uh just make this stop someone someone 
make it make it work towards stopping because I'm I I have nothing more to give to you all. Um, like mentally, I was like the this it was like the opposite of the idea of of the spirit is willing but the flesh is weak. I was like, the spirit is unwilling. The flesh can keep going and can take <laughs> this all day long. Like, but the mind is saying, nope, we gotta go. Um, which is why I submit to nap time. I, I even like gear myself up. I'm like, it's gonna happen. Eleven minutes, just. We're going to be okay. 11 minute long nap. Yeah. That is not long. Yeah. It's like a church nap. Jeez. You just droop a little bit and like, <laughs> okay. Oh. <laughs> oh, what? Who's there? What's going on? Um, yeah. Maybe that, maybe you just disorient yourself for a brief period of time and then it makes you alert because you're on, you know. Oh, it's a little scary. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. a little scary. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, that's what I do with like hitting snooze in the morning. Like I just go, <gasps> I overslept and it's like, no, you still have three more minutes left on the snooze. I'm like, well, now I'm shook, so I have to get up now. Time to turn off 37 alarms. I don't know. Um, let me let me pour another drink. I think that will help me. Rarely, but okay, sure. <laughs> can you get, on your way up, can you get me the little chargey thing attached to the other chargey thing? Thank you so much. Okay. We've reset. We've reframed. Well, do you want to pivot? We have a positive mental attitude, and Great. we're ready to podcast me. after 39 minutes. Oh, boy. <laughs> wow, the editors are really going to have a good time with this one. Um, it's not me. So, uh, do you want to pivot? Do you want to talk about season drawings? Oh, uh, season drawings. Why didn't we talk about that the last time we recorded, or the time before that? We saw that, that was show this weekend, like oh, no, two weeks it? ago. <laughs> it was. Yeah. I don't know time. I mean, I'm I'm talking about energy and getting it up. I don't know what day it is generally. I couldn't tell you what day it is, but I know I'm feeling a weird slipping away of of that as well. But uh, sure, we can try and talk about that. You think we got it in us? I mean, I don't know how much I have to say about that show, but I, I would love to try. Did you read the Shelley article after I showed you that Shelley wrote a thing? The clickbaity title? Peter Sheldahl wrote an article about Saison Drawings? Yeah. No. You were I very d- drunk when I showed it to I you. I didn't read that. Okay. No. He was just like, I don't know why I kind of have a problem with Saison. Oh, I kind of do remember this now. There you go. Yeah. Let's, let's draw the threads out. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, Shelley's old, old man, old cancer-ridden man, somehow still kicking. So I don't know, you know. Yeah, he seems to be doing great. I, re- I just read his another best article by him from a few months ago, and I was like, oh, you're still around. That's great. I don't mean to sound dismissive, but it was my first I'm thought. surprised. Yeah. Um, fully thought he was just like checking out. Um, but he was just like, you know, it's kind of exhausting to like not be looking at these drawings, but like studying them. And I was like, you know, because like, you know, there's like the the hagiography of that is just like what you can't talk shit on Cezanne everyone loves these what are you talking about they're just one like they're wonderful wonderful expressions of what it means to draw and I'm like maybe I'm not that person I don't draw I don't I'm sorry like eh. it's nice to notice and I like noticing all the things that someone else noticed that's not getting my rocks off though right I mean I I agree with that I'm not a drawer either like both you and I use projectors for the most part when the drawing happens. I observe things flat on a screen moving around and then I make them physical. And then what I consider drawings are basically just paintings on paper. I mean, they use the materials of drawings, but they use the process of painting. It's the idea of like a, 
a Peter Halley drawing, which is just a little painting that is the actual painting. Yeah, I mean, sometimes I make drawings that are that are distinct from paintings that never transform into paintings, but I just mean the methodology to me seems much more similar to uh, working with a fluid additive medium. Oh. Whereas drawing's not always that. It's more well, about line. Um, it's more about sort of sculpture, like you're carving out space. I don't know. I, I'm I'm out of practice at talking about it's art. It's literally right now, but... like delineating. Yeah, yeah. It's about space, right? Yeah. Um, not necessarily true, but in terms of like a Cezannean kind of thing, you're just like, oh, it's about like how do you carve space, and then what can you do with that in painting? So that's why it's like, are the paintings even paintings, or are they just drawings in color? You're talking about Cezanne specifically now? Yeah. I think Cezanne's paintings, I would say that his drawings come down to two categories for me. The earlier stuff, which is mostly pencil on paper, really linear, a lot of like studies of figures. And then the later stuff, which are watercolors at a larger scale of landscapes and stuff. And I would say the the watercolors are very obviously paintings and that his paintings are paintings. They're not very drawing heavy. Yeah. They're daubed in. They're flat planes of color. Um, yeah, the apple's a cannonball. They're, they're light and space. They're not line and space. Hey, yeah. And so his watercolor works are that way as well. I thought they were bad. That That's an interesting take to me because, I don't know, to me it was so the opposite that, like, Cezanne's watercolors are great i mean he doesn't he works with a lot of economy that's really interesting he knows how to use the white of the paper to accomplish a lot um i don't know i guess i don't i don't know i just like again it goes it goes back to the idea of like you know people tell you that this is very important i'm like it's not well that's I, i appreciate that it's not really important to me yeah, I agree. I've I've never had a fetish for Cezanne like a lot of people supposedly do. Although I don't think I've ever met a young artist that identifies with Cezanne. Maybe Dustin, our friend Dustin. I don't know. I, I've never talked to him about so. it, but I could see him maybe liking him. No, I'm not really sure. Too many lines. For me, like Cezanne uh, is just such a clear bridge between the 19th century and the 20th century. I mean, that is a real like trite point to make because that is the understanding of him yeah. i think like academically but it's really true i don't think he uh i don't think especially in his drawings that there is that much of interest to like figure out or to use as an artist there's it's, nothing to steal from in Cezanne. it's more about the like inspiring like yeah draw every day notice what you notice and i'm like oh that does not appeal to me as a sensibility no well, and you can see him working out stuff that I just have no interest in. Like, you can tell that he's trying to figure out how do you be a modern painter coming out of an era of mostly, like, history paintings, still life, and genre paintings. And he's, like, tackling all of that subject matter in an in innovative, technical way that eventually leads to the iconic saisons that everybody knows, the paintings of planes that one day become cubism. Yeah, I But guess. that's the thing about him is that, like, they one day become Picasso. That's what's interesting about Cezanne. Yeah. That he's the bridge between Monet and Picasso. Is that, that interesting, though? To me, it's not. But like, I, I get why it's interesting for historians and why it was maybe interesting to older generations of artists. Like In Painter's Painting, you hear Barnett Newman like going on and on about Cezanne and how the apples in the paintings looked like cannonballs and how he yeah. wanted to like somehow deal with that space. I've never understood what he even really meant by that. 
to me, it just seems like something that's that we're out of touch with because we live in such a distinct epic than his. And also, it's like, do I care about that that particular problem now? I don't think anybody no. does or necessarily should. It's not relevant to us. Yeah, that's why I'm like, what is the what is this show for? Is it just a historical like, hello? Yeah. I I. Mm. I mean, I think I think it's interesting as a novelty on its own because you just don't usually see a lot of Cezanne drawings. You see every collection has two or three Cezanne paintings and some water watercolor. You might see colors. a watercolor every once in a while, and and that's about it. But I think it's interesting to take any artist and dig into their ephemera more or less, and find out what was going on in their process. You know, I don't think there's anything bad about it. I think it's a little bit weird when MoMA does shows of older artists when they stretch back to the beginning of their chronology because really their collection starts in 1890 or thereabout and goes up to the present day that museum feels more comfortable to me when they do stuff from the post-war era well that's what they have the most of so they can they can throw ideas around and be like well we have the best example so let's do it yeah so when they do a show like this that's a little bit just old feeling it just seems like a study like at the met i would love it i also feel like the met would maybe give a little more space yeah yeah when you're well we should say i jamming in a shitload of framed things and a shitload of tourists in a very small several very small galleries in a row it's deeply unpleasurable yeah i think the show i think the show suffers tourists aside from having way too much stuff in it it lacks focus I think why it's difficult to engage it with as a show is that, that like you're not really sure what the purpose is. Each room is sort of organized by like a general theme, but the themes are too general to tell a story. Yeah. You know, it's like, it is like looking at a textbook where you're like in one room and it's like a uh, body in space. And then you're in the next room and it's <gasps> like time. And then you're in the next room and it's like light. And you're like, all right, this is, this is over general. There's too much stuff. And deeply boring. You know, like it just it feel it's akin to sitting in a lecture, yeah, by someone who like was brought in like I'm a Cezanne scholar and you're like in 2020 what the f- who why what are you doing, um, and it just I don't know it seems like I don't know I mean I did like seeing that there was a, like a drawing that was from Jasper John's collection I was like how'd you get one, when'd you buy that, how'd you buy that oh you're rich never mind um. You know, like you, I always like for those historical things. I like seeing what people collect, because those are more like artist-friendly purchases. Sure. Yeah. Like buying a Durer etching, like you know, if you reach a certain amount of money, you you just get one. They hand one out. Yeah. Instead of like a a, a class, like literal money class ring, you get a you get a Durer <laughs> sure. in the art world. They're like, well, you've moved up in galleries, so here you go. Here's your Durer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're blue chip now. Yeah, every every successful living artist has a flat file full of like old master prints. I remember <laughs> going to Richard Tuttle's house when I was in grad school, and he had like a bunch of Tintoretto etchings. Again, a very weird choice for him. Yeah, but you know, just a you know, it's a gift of the uh, 
Get I, get what, I get what you're you saying, know? though. There's there's other dimensions to shows like that that are kind of intriguing, just to see where they get stuff from and whatever. I mean, I don't really have a problem with, like, someone being a Cezanne scholar or putting on a show like this. Like, I do think it is important to study things from the past at any, at any period of time. If you're going to be dismissive of, like, a 19th century scholar of drawings, like, you could be dismissive of anything. Why study anything, you know? I, I don't think that's, like, necessarily a valid Not a great, yeah. You know. Um. I just don't I just don't know if it's for me. I'm just not fascinated by Cezanne. The only other interesting insight I sort of had when I was in there, I was looking at some of his watercolors and going like, oh, Michael Kreber stole his entire career from these, mm. which had never occurred to me before. Like, how little can you articulate something and it still hang together as a picture was what I noticed in those watercolors and having looked at a lot of Kre- Krebers because of my work history... I was like, oh, you saw these and made these into big paintings. Big little paintings. And it's fairly obvious when you're in front of them that that's what happened. Yeah. I always like sort of realizing stuff like that because most artists, good or bad, just stole their entire career from some... Somebody. Something obscure that they discovered. Yeah. You know. And then you blow it up, change the color. Yeah. Make it red. You know, whatever. Whatever you got to do. Yeah. I don't know. No, I just was like, do we need to go high? You know, we were low... Now we got to go high, you know, I guess. I don't know. Before you, I start, like, missing, you know, pre-tourist New York where it was lovely and empty. <sighs> so yeah, but nothing was open. I don't know, man. Who cares? I liked it. Um, don't worry. You'll get it all back in the winter. Just wait. Sick. Oh, well, that could be taken. <laughs> um, What were you going to say, though? Oh, uh, I was, the other day I was sitting here and I was looking at your Rauschenberg book. Which one? That you have the behind brown you, one? the brown yeah. one. It was from a show at Gagosian, mm-hmm. but it made me remember the show that they did at MoMA, which was a while ago now, unbelievably. Yeah, we also talked about this the other day. Did we? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, that is a classic MoMA show, you know? Like, Rauschenberg fits in really good there. Yeah. And you you give those things enough space, and you can, I don't know, get like a classic retrospective that feels really good. It's to scale of that place yeah you know yes um that also they had the bubble the bubble guts uh square what is that what are you talking the mud bubbles oh they did up right now no or they had it in that yeah in that that rauschenberg show and then they got that thing from the goat they brought the goat sure yeah 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 um stockholm insurance nightmare um what is that moderna music something like that something like that yeah yeah um Never left there until they were like, well, please, please, come on. We're going to insure the shit out of it. Well, and then they made them put it in a giant plexiglass cube so that people couldn't Fucking touch it. Fucking bullet. It was bulletproof yeah, like yeah. plexi, um, which I think is funny. It's ironic, too, because that thing is, I get that it probably has a really high insurance value, but it's like stuff like that's not really that hard to ship. Like the goat comes off that thing. And even if it doesn't, you put it in a fucking crate. It's going to be fine. Yeah. I don't know. Art like... It's weird what museums will and won't do. It's because it's stuffed goat. Yeah, but it's there's way more difficult things to pack that they wouldn't like bat an eye out at sending. Yeah, that's true. I think sometimes when museums have a prized pony like that and it's the one thing that people know their museum for. They don't let it go. They just want it there all the time. Yeah. That's why. You need the show pony. Yeah. Or the show goat. Yeah. Um, yeah. Hmm. 
But anyway, I don't know. Like, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing more museum shows in general, and maybe talking about them on here. Like when the Jasper John show comes up. I mean, we gotta we gotta devote like a two parter to that. You show. haven't seen the Frick at the Breuer Building. No, I haven't. I forgot about that. Maybe I'll check that out this weekend. Mm. Yeah, we can talk about that. It's beautiful. Yeah, I'm sure it's nice. It's everything I want everything to be. No labels. That's great. Always gray good. walls. Shit. F- plenty of space and you're like oh there's no one here i love this because the frick never had people and if you just expand the square footage of the frick with the same amount of foot traffic it's perfect yeah and no labels it's nice the flip the frick flies under the radar because tourists don't know what that is or care it's also hard it's off the beaten trail yeah 71st what right right like there's nothing over there to be like oh we're going to museum mile they're like no no we're over here right what you notice at moma it's not even tourists necessarily it's like people on dates and on instagram trips that's really what brings moma down and ruins it even the met has less of that oh 100 because that's too much walking yeah um yeah it, uh, but anyway the frick doesn't attract that type of audience it, it does never attract would. the dates eh, or it used to to be like we're smart well that's good i mean that's a little that's a little classier good for them but uh, but it doesn't. It, Mama attracts people of like, oh, can we sit out in the garden and have a beer? And you're like, oh, did I consider it that day? Yes, I did. Um, I went to Uniqlo instead, <laughs> which had no air conditioning. So I made a real quick trip through and was like, I am not waiting in this line dripping sweat. Absolutely not. Yeah, there's nothing like being trapped on the set of a John Wick movie without air conditioning. Oh. That's what that Uniqlo feels like to me, because it's like covered in mirrors, and there's the unta unta music just pumping through it. Uh, there's there's LED that. lights. There's a lot of spotlights yeah. and a lot of like <laughs> things, and I was like, I like revolving like mannequins. I was like, oh god, we, I gotta go, I gotta go. Yeah, you know, Bill and Tracy from. Peoria, Illinois, are stocking up on like five dollar <laughs> T-shirts for no good goddamn reason. And I'm like, okay, <sighs> not sweating for this. Gotta go. Um, but yeah, I'll go check out the Frick. We should talk about that. It's so good. That would that would be interesting. I mean, I, I'm really like liking going back to museums and stuff. I'm pissed off that you have to wear a mask in them. I hate that. But I don't know. That's probably never going away. So I need to get over it. Uh, but I don't know. I'm really grateful to like. I'm really grateful to look at art right now. It like feels nice to go and look at art because I'm not making art and I haven't for a while. And there's no culture in Ohio in uh-huh. in the in the rest of the country. So it's nice to be back amongst it again, even though MoMA is a little annoying with its overcrowding and its you know just general vibe. The vibe was bad. Yeah, vibe bad. Because MoMA I- on a weekend. I mean, that's just how it is. But I feel like that's every day, though. It's back to that every day. And, I, you know, it was like I, as much as I hated seeing Judd like three or four times or whatever it was, you know, it's at least it still was like, ah, the space to breathe and look around. Right. When you take that away, you're like, what is this for? Yeah, it's just a giant playground. It's 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 annoying. I, I, I always do fantasize when I walk through MoMA and you're like near the touristy stuff, especially like. You're by Starry Night and there's like a crowd of Japanese people or whatever. And you're like, what would it be like to walk through these galleries? What experience of this work would I have if it was empty? Or if there was just far fewer people? You would actually get to look at stuff like that. 
and maybe appreciate it well, it's or look at stuff around it, you know? That's the thing. You don't even get to look at it. You just notice stuff. You're like, who are you? What What is this over here? Is this new? And they're like, I'm like, did you rehang? And they're like, no, no, that's always there. And it's like, what? Like when you get a good view of the answer mm-hmm. where you're like, I forget you're here. Look at you. Yeah, yeah. There's usually 300 people like with their back with to their you. With their back to it, right. Um, Which is just offensive, um, you know. And like people like staring at the like drippy clocks in the way of the like fur cup, yeah, which yeah, had yeah, yeah. so much dust on its vitrine, it was disgusting. <laughs> um, also, the dust bunnies were out roaming the land. No, that's the other thing. Street. It becomes impossible to maintain a museum in the condition that it deserves, and the objects in a condition that they deserve. When you have that many people in a space constantly, I mean, when could you ever really get it clean? You can't. And pay attention to it. You can't do it. Well, I noticed, because when we were talking the other day, I was looking through the long run installation shots. What they do when they do installation shots is take all the benches out. They probably just Photoshop them out, but yes. Well, easy to stack up in the corner and be like, have two handlers be like, pick up the, pick up those, move them, pick up the broyers, move them away. Yeah. They, they may or may not do that, but in any case, they get rid of them. Yeah. But like seeing an empty gallery like that, I was like, oh. <gasps> perfect there's nowhere to like sit and take a selfie or sit with your back to you know autumn not other autumn number one oh number five. i forget which one they have at moma that's a really good question they plop a bench right in front of that motherfucker and people yeah. to have their back to it i'm like you are standing at the right space for me to actually see the whole thing so i either have to look at people like as if i'm in an elevator with my back to the door looking at strangers like a psycho right or i have to be like that's so funny turtle that, my neck. that you mentioned the Pollock because whatever one that is at moment, I think they do have autumn rhythm actually. I think the Met sure. has number one or what has the numbered painting and that MoMA has autumn rhythm, but I could be wrong sure about it's that. It's not lavender something. Which one? I'm not number sure. Number one is lavender something, right? I don't know. Who the fuck knows? Anyway, what I did notice at MoMA though was, I and I appreciated it. I sort of reveled in the moment with them. There was a bunch of people sitting on the benches in front of that Pollock but they were all looking at it. I mean, there was a lot of activity in the room in general that was still distracting, but the people that were sitting on the bench were absorbed in the painting. It was an interesting experience because it was like, you know, probably six people or something. I think there's two benches in front of it. It was a lot of people. One bench. That's too many people. It was a, a bench. long bench, though, right? It's a six footer. Yeah, there was, then maybe it was two couples. I don't know, but it was, it was some people, and everyone was silent and looking at the painting. And I was like, huh. oh, this is cool. This is good. It's what these benches are for. The Pollocks are really enveloping and absorbing. They reward, like, looking at them for a few seconds or minutes. Um, I thought that was cool. And I and I couldn't tell whether the people were just entranced by the experience incidentally. Like, they had never seen a Pollock before. Or they just walked up to it and thought, oh. That, or or yeah. if they were, like, appreciators of the art. You genuinely... You never know. You don't know. Yeah. I think I'm just bitter because two dudes were just sitting there clearly waiting for their wives holding their bags. And they were like, like 60, like retirees backs to Barney. And I was like, you fat fucks, get the stand up or at least regard the objects. Pretend you're going to regard the object. Yeah, no, nobody does that. Nobody really regards the Barneys. I think the I think the more minimalist stuff does not grab the attention of the average person. I think it takes a much 
more sensitive trained eye to have any appreciation for that kind of stuff. Otherwise, it just looks like nothing. Whereas the Pollock, even though people make fun of it for being like child splatter or whatever, when you're actually in front of it, so much shit. Going it just on. Yeah. really has right? a lot of energy. Yeah. It's hard. It's hard to avoid. Where the Barnett Newman, like, it's just kind of flat if you don't know what you're looking for. If you don't know how to tango with it, yeah. to get it to like activate. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Same thing with all the other ones. You're just like, like, there's that little minimalist room with colors for a large wall and uh, yeah, Carmen Herrera and stuff like that. Right. Um, off, off the uh, Matisse uh, pool collage linen room which i think is a really great idea it is a really good like, idea. good job guys you, you did something um but like people just burn through that and they're like what i'm like part of it is the standing still yeah absolutely that stuff is not instagrammable as much it's not that lush visually at all it's not slapping you in the side of the face with the dick no. you know like you're not really getting any you know it's not going to hit the grid and get some likes, you know? Right. Because it looks too much like the grid, which is why it's more necessary to take your time. Um, but I don't know. Yeah, they never put a bench in those. They're always little narrow rooms. They're like, eh, it's here. Yeah, like, the, oh. the room you're describing with the Ellsworth Kelly in it and stuff feels like a pass-through. Like, it's designed it is, to yeah. just be walk-through. It's not, it's a thoroughfare. Yeah. It's not quite a hallway, but it almost is. Yeah, it's a hallway. Yeah. It's a hallway-sized room. Yes. It's the railroad apartment mm-hmm, mm-hmm. of bigger galleries, which is unfortunate. Yeah. Any other thoughts or feelings on, on that particular trip? Um, No, not that comes to mind right now. I'm still fascinated you didn't know about Paley Park. I still don't know what that is. What are you talking about? Shawarma Park with the waterfall. Oh, 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 like, yeah. We ate halal, guys. I, I know about that park. I just didn't think y- it was where you said it was. Oh. I know what that park is. Well, because there used to be that burger place that you usually was like, please don't eat anything but our burgers yeah, in the park. Yeah, right, right. Um, and then I think the people who paid for the park were like, no, you can't tell people that. <laughs> you can't tell people that it's closed to other patrons. No, people can just come in and sit down. They don't need your shitty burger burger place closed. Um, You know, like you don't. Also, that's not the place I want to have a burger. <laughs> no, no, no. It's I mean, frankly, it's not a very good park for eating because it's a nice place. That's like, a place where I would be like, is someone bringing cocktails? And I would say, lovely. Yeah, are you allowed to do that? I guess so. Eh, not really. You're not supposed to drink in public parks. Yeah, yeah. Right? Is that no, the I, you're not supposed to, but people do. I mean, it's not impossible to do that. People throw ragers in Prospect Park. Oh, my God. Prospect like Raves. Park. Of course. Uh, Herbert Von King, you want to talk about Ragers every weekend. That place is fucking turned into Black Bonnaroo. Edit that out. <laughs> Edit it out right now. Okay. Bye-bye. All right. Bye. Bye. <laughs>